Your Ohio State Buckeyes, they've been uh, red hot as far as the offseason goes. Not their last two games in the regular season, but the offseason uh, making changes to the coaching staff as well as using the transfer portal, spending NIL money reportedly. And to break this all down, we go to our hotline and bring in the outstanding Buckeyes beat reporter at Bucknuts.com, Steve Hellwagon. Steve, how are you today? I'm doing great. What's going on? Well, you tell us the latest uh, in Columbus, because every day I wake up, I check Bucknuts.com to see who the newest coach is or who the latest uh, transfer portal player is or what they're spending in NIL money. So uh, is Bill O'Brien still a hot topic since uh, they've added him to the coaching staff? Yeah, that was late last week that uh, Ryan Day was able to to strike that deal to get Bill O'Brien to come on board as the new offensive coordinator and uh, basically after one year uh, move Brian Hartline from the coordinator job to the co-coordinator job. And it feels and seems like Bill O'Brien's going to be calling plays and uh, coaching the quarterbacks. And uh, Corey Dennis will not be back as a full-time coach, although they are uh, predicting or projecting that they're going to transition him into some other job within the program, what that is. Remains to be seen. They still have one opening on the staff for a full-time assistant. Not sure who that will be or what direction that's going to go, but uh, that was kind of the upshot of the whole thing is that Bill O'Brien, uh, you know, first gained fame in the late 2000s with uh, New England Patriots as their offensive coordinator, then head coach at Penn State, uh, then head coach uh, Houston Texans, uh, let's see, then offensive coordinator Alabama, and then back with the Patriots as offensive coordinator in uh, Bill Belichick's last year here this past season. And uh, so now coming back to the college ranks, and uh, he's he's coached a lot of great players, obviously, uh, Tom Brady, Deshaun Watson in the pros, Bryce Young, uh, certainly with Alabama, won the Heisman Trophy two years ago when uh, Bill O'Brien was there, but uh, everyone also notes there is uh, there are one or two things missing from his resume, a national championship ring and a Super Bowl ring. So yep. uh, kind of getting the, the, the good, and we'll see if uh, he can make it even better with the Buckeyes. Steve, any, uh, is there any truth to the rumor that the Buckeyes are changing their nickname to the Crimson Buckeyes? <laughs> well, they got three uh, guys out of the transfer portal, plus, O'Brien with his Alabama ties going yeah. back a couple of years, mm-hmm. but uh, Justin Sain was the latest one, <clears throat> a quarterback uh, in this 2024 class who was basically enrolled at Alabama for a week and then went into the portal when Nick Saban retired and uh, <clears throat> is now apparently enrolled at Ohio State. He's going to go through spring football, so they've been over backwards to get him into class, uh, basically third week into the semester it looks like uh so that he can participate in spring football we believe i I, again uh just kind of going off what's reported but Mm -hmm. uh so yeah it uh again uh you have him you have uh caleb downs the outstanding uh basically a freshman all-american safety led alabama in tackles as a true freshman this past season he transferred out, and uh, Seth McLaughlin, offensive lineman, will be a fifth-year senior uh, with the Buckeyes coming in. He started at center for Alabama this past year. We'll either play center or guard for the Buckeyes this coming season. So, yeah, they're going to have a real uh, uh, crimson tide look to them when they 
take the field because I think uh, Downs and McLaughlin certainly are going to be starters. <clears throat> Does the Downs move put uh, uh, Sonny Styles at linebacker then? You know, I think it remains to be seen because they did play three safeties at times last year. And uh, so, uh, and then at the end of the year, my Ransom got hurt. They played uh, two safeties at three corners. So it gives them flexibility that they could go either way because they've got those three outstanding corners with Hancock, Benoson, and Burke. And then now three outstanding safeties with mm-hmm. Ransom, uh, Styles, and Downs. So. And you've got Malik Hartford waiting in the wings at safety and uh, Jermaine Matthews waiting in the wings at corner. So you're you're four deep at both positions, you know, for, for two or three spots. And i uh, got plenty of depth at both spots and bringing in some other guys and we'll have some other guys coming back. So uh, in the future, I mean, they're getting two really good cornerbacks uh, in the 2024 class, two guys from Ohio, Bryce West, and uh, Aaron Scott, and they've already got uh, commitments from two more uh, outstanding uh, corners. De- oh, well, actually one right now, Devin Sanchez, and they're still working on Dorian Brew, who's living in Texas but has Ohio uh, ties. He pushed back his commitment, was going to commit uh, here, I believe, on the 24th. Uh, they are in position uh, to get a commitment, uh, just kind of dovetailing off of that, from an outstanding offensive lineman, uh, from Toledo, Carter Lowe, I believe, is due to uh, make an announcement on Saturday, and all indications are it probably would be Ohio State. So uh, he's a national top 100 player as well. So the rich just keep getting richer. Just uh, just keep adding great players. That's all you got to do. All right, two things from uh, what you uh, just uh, explained to our listeners out there, okay? I'll get to the quarterbacks in a second, but Bill O'Brien calling plays why did Ryan Day finally give up calling plays uh, this season, uh, you know, coming up? Well, what made him do that? Did you watch them this past season? No, I'm just, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, I think, and you know, to put any of this on Day and Heartline, I mean, the makeup of the team is Day's fault, you know, certainly. And, and, and my fault, you know, it lays at his feet. He's the head coach. Right. Uh, fifth year in. I mean, this is his team now. It's not anybody other than his team. But, uh, you know, the offensive line didn't play that great. I just feel that Day has reached a point uh, where he's still going to be very heavily involved in putting, sitting in that room and putting the game plan together. But on game day, I think that it just makes sense that somebody else is being the trigger and making those play calls. And I think Kevin Wilson helped him with that quite a bit during his time there. And I think that that was kind of the overseer role that he was looking for and uh, Bill O'Brien has got a really strong track record in this regard. So, uh, to me, you know, his, his time with the Patriots this past year, uh, notwithstanding, they had no players. I mean, they were a terrible, terrible football team. I was anybody who saw them play. So, uh, I don't think you can downgrade O'Brien off that. I mean, he had done pretty well at Alabama previous to that. And his Houston teams were playoff teams, something like three out of his five years or something like that. So, I mean, this, he can coach. There's nothing, okay. you know, in his background that, that, that gives you any pause about that. So, uh, to me, uh, I just think they realize that uh, he wants to take a step back and uh, maybe not be so involved in, in directly calling the plays on Saturdays. All right. So, I go from that with him as the offensive coordinator to no quarterbacks 
And now five quarterbacks, Julian Sayan, Aaron Nolan, Will Howard, Devin Brown, uh, Lincoln Kineholtz. Uh, how is that room going to work itself out? Yeah, I don't know how you get five guys reps during spring football with limited personnel on hand. In the fall, they were able to do two fields because they had plenty of uh, personnel to, to spread it out and, uh, you know, go 11 on 11 on two different fields. But uh, in the spring, I don't know if you're going to be able to do that. They may try and do that. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot to get uh, that many guys' quality reps. And here's the thing. I think after the first five days of spring practice, if Will Howard checks out and is successful in moving the team up and down the field, then I would look at it that uh, he's going to get most of the first-team reps because he's the guy you're preparing to start in 2024. He's the one with the body of work and the experience. You wouldn't put a true freshman in charge of a national championship caliber contender. So, to me, I think that, uh, uh, you know, he's the guy that, that you that you make the most effort uh, to, to get ready for 2024 and then take it from there. But, uh it is intriguing. Noland and saying, I think, uh, probably battling for the backup spot. And Devin Brown and Lake Keenholz are going to have to really, really show something uh, to cut into that at this point, in my opinion. Uh, Brown just has never been able to stay healthy. And Keenholz still young, a redshirt freshman. And so we'll see uh, see how it all shakes out this spring. Columbus probably still uh, having a party down there after the big win for the Lady Buckeyes over the weekend over Iowa. We're going to talk about that in a second. But, Steve, while this is still fresh on my mind, I want to ask you more a little bit about Bill O'Brien, the offensive coordinator, because to me, two or three weeks ago when I heard that they were looking and there was going to maybe be a search for an offensive coordinator, I thought, well, hey, wait a minute. We've already got one in Brian Hartline. So, A, how does he feel about possibly being replaced as offensive coordinator? I don't care what his title is. B, Bill O'Brien is, to me, a really good choice. But C, Cliff Kingsbury was out there as well. Did you know if any of these other guys' names were ever brought up? You know, that's interesting. I, I'm not sure who all that Ryan Day talked to about this job. And, and you know, again, uh, it could come down to fit. Uh, somebody who philosophically fits what he was looking for, mm. somebody who has the same life outlook that he looks for, you know, that type of thing. Uh, Kingsbury, you know, that would have been an interesting and intriguing uh, choice, no doubt about it, you know, coming in with NFL head coaching experience and everything else that uh, he would have brought to the table. I think that would have been interesting, no doubt. Um, to me, uh, you know, somebody asked me, how is Brian Hartline going to take this? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, he's going to take it in 50s and 100s because he's making close to $2 million a year. They're not giving him a pay cut just because they changed his title. Okay. So I think, you know, that on the 1st and 15th, the, the check still clears. He's still got tremendous job security. Uh, and even in his heart of hearts, he's got to understand it didn't go well this past year. So to me, this is a step where you now – sit under the learning tree with Bill O'Brien and Ryan Day. And when you get this opportunity again in two, three years, whenever it may come up, you're better for it. So to me, that's, uh, that's what this is about. This is about winning the national championship in 2024. And, you know, everybody's feelings and everybody all up in mm -hmm. their, their feels and everything about this and that. 
either you're with it or you're not. And that's uh, kind of yeah. where it's at right now at Ohio State. We always want to keep these guys because, in my mind, I think Luke Fickle. And Luke Fickle, to me, wasn't in line to become the next head coach. Thank goodness we got Urban Meyer. The rest, as we know, is history. But now you look at it and say, okay, here's a guy that went to Cincinnati, makes the, the playoffs, ends up being at Wisconsin now, and you might look at it and say, hey, if you're not a believer in Ryan Day, you may be one in Luke Fickle. Yeah, I, I hear you, and I want to see what Fickle does at Wisconsin mm-hmm. in this new uh, Big Ten. He's going to have to win. 10 games a year to get into the playoff. And I think that uh, that's going to be the litmus test for everybody in this new Big Ten. I was looking at the schedule today, kind of plotting it all out for all of the teams, just mm-hmm. to see what the TV networks are buying. And on any given Saturday in this Big Ten, there's going to be two or three really big-time marquee games that could carry a network broadcast. I'm talking like you know, USC versus Penn State. Uh, Washington versus Wisconsin. You know, all these kind of -of one-of-a-kind matchups that we've never really seen a whole lot of are now going to be on a weekly basis, and it just makes it so much tougher for everybody in this conference, just as it will be Mm -hmm. in the SEC. You had Texas and and, uh, Oklahoma to that mix, which are first-rate college football programs, just as as the Big Ten is adding Oregon, Washington, and USC, and to an extent, UCLA, uh, it just gets tougher. So uh, the battle is going to be for Luke Fickle. uh, If he can put Wisconsin in the playoff, then yes, I'd say sure. Mm -hmm. He could be next in line at Ohio State. He could be a guy to keep in mind down the line. But, again, I don't look for Day to be going anywhere anytime soon. And I think that uh, if he's able to turn the table – on this Michigan rivalry with with these upgrades that he made uh, just in the last three weeks, if he can keep the hammer down and continue to attract great coaches and great players, then why wouldn't he be here for the long haul? So I guess we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. Happy to have with us Steve Hellwagon from Bucknuts.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Steve Hellwagon. Uh, Steve, let's turn our attention to basketball, and let's start with the women. They're good first, okay? They upset uh, Iowa the other night in overtime, a thrilling win, the most watched girls uh, game in college basketball, I think, in the regular season since 2010. Uh, so all yes. eyes were on Caitlin Clark, but now maybe on the Buckeyes as well. Just your thoughts on, uh, you know, J.C. Shelton, that team, and then what happened after the game w- with Caitlin Clark and what's yeah. being said down in Columbus there. Yeah, what a great moment for uh, Ohio State women's basketball, women's sports. Uh, that game on NBC got 1.9 million viewers, and CBS had a middle-of-the-road Big Ten men's game. Michigan State and Maryland had 1.2 million viewers. So that'll tell you the uh, the draw of Caitlin Clark and Ohio State, uh, really. And what happened was the game spilled past the 2 o'clock hour into the beginning of the pregame uh, for the NFL game, and there were as many as 4 million people watching the overtime. So I think a lot of people got treated to this. They set an attendance record, 18,800 people for a women's game at Ohio State, a complete sellout, every seat to the top row, full at the Schottenstein Center, first time that's ever happened for women's basketball. Uh, last time it probably happened for the men was for Duke two years ago, and yep. it had happened previously for the men different times. But, uh, yeah, just a, a great red-letter day, and they were cooked. They were down 12 with six minutes to go. And mounted an incredible comeback. Cody McMahon, 33 points. J.C. Sheldon, 
25 points, and uh, Caitlin Clark, 45 points. I got to tell you, the first quarter of the game, she didn't shoot the first three minutes, and then she got the ball on the left wing, and they left her alone for some reason, and she hit three threes in a span of about four trips from about the same spot, and I turned to the person next to me and said, she makes it look like she's making layups out there just because it's so natural with her. The ball's not even hitting the, the rim. It's barely splashing the net <laughs> going through. You know what I mean? It's just like yeah. crap. So uh, Ohio State gutted that out and uh, moved up from 18 to 12 in the uh, AP ranks this year, this week. Probably a three or four seed right now for the tournament and uh, tied for the Big Ten lead. Uh, with Iowa, and they have a game in hand with them, although we do have to note the last game of the season in March will be at Iowa City. It'll be Caitlin Clark's senior day. Good luck with all of that. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Ohio State's got a, a tough one down the line, but uh, some other games coming up. They're playing Illinois, I think, on the road tomorrow night on Peacock. So, anybody's got that, can check that out. Steve? I think she flopped uh, after the game. And I know there was contact, okay? But I've seen it from all the different angles. And I love her game. She is women's basketball right now, right? She's the Larry Bird of women's basketball. People are watching because of her. And so I love her game, and she's one of the best I've ever seen play at the collegiate level. Having said all of that, they rushed the floor after the big win. And, yeah, there was some contact. But you you look at the overhead, the slow-mo and everything, it sure looked like she flopped. Uh, What's been said down in Columbus? You know, I think Ohio State's tried to keep a lid on this about what's happened. The person who ran into her really hasn't been identified. Appeared to have a lanyard on, so it could have been a media person. We just don't know. Nobody that I recognize as a media person, but the school also has interns, social media people who could have been running out there on the court to get the reaction. And what I didn't like was just the reckless disregard that that person showed had their phone up in the air and wasn't looking where they were going. And uh, really neither was Caitlin Clark, but she's jogging off toward her locker room. Let's remember this. The court is the player's domain. It is nobody else's domain, but the players until they're off the court. It's how it should be. Now, you know, am I going to vilify one or the other? No, not really. Just an accident. Inadvertent. Shouldn't have happened in Ohio state. Uh, to their credit, had a great plan in place. And if people watch the video, you see 20 ushers helping their team get off the court. It's just Kaylin Clark was in a rush to get off the court and ran into the first person she encountered. So it is what it is. Uh, nothing more has been made of it. Seems like she's not hurt. And uh, they did have some harsh words for Ohio State. The Iowa people did after the game. But, uh, you know, that's life in the big city, I suppose, you know, in these big environments that, it's uh it's tough and and, you know it's first time i can ever recall fans rushing the court for an ohio state women's game hadn't happened for the men in many many years obviously so Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're out of practice (laughs) but but ohio state's not at fault just just okay and simply i think it's just that one person had no instruction had no instruction on uh on, on, on how to uh, to go out there carefully and, and get the shot that she needed to get. All right, let, let me piggyback then off of that and take it to the men's team. who lo- They lose last night, right? They're at Nebraska. They, they lose again uh, at Nebraska. How do you think Chris Holtman is feeling and the new athletic director is feeling when all of a sudden the women are packing the place, the women's fans are storming the court, and the men's team looks to be going in the complete opposite <laughs> direction? 
Yeah, it's not going real well right now. Their worst loss of the season last night, 83-69. to 69. They trailed by as many as uh, 18 points in wow. the second half and just a terribly, just a terribly atrocious team defensively. I can't even tell you anything other than that. Uh, Nebraska had a player, his name is Rink, R-I-E-N-K, Mast. He's from the Netherlands. He's a junior. I think he transferred from Bradley. And he was six of eight on three pointers last night. Uh, Nebraska was over fifty percent on three pointers, and on a couple of occasions, Mast had picked up his dribble at the top of the key, and his defender dropped away from him to get into passing lanes. And he's like, "Okay," and he just shot the three pointer that left him open, wide open. Had another guy, C.J. Wilcher, who came on an inbounds play twice and hit balls from the left corner. Uh, unguarded, basically. It's just like there's a sense of confusion with Ohio State defense right now. Not to say that their offense is cooking because they only had 69 points last night. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's ugly right now on both ends of the court. And it may not get any better. They've lost 13 road games in a row dating to last year. And uh, next up is a trip uh, to Northwestern on Saturday night. So, Season is beginning to circle the drain. The three and five in the Big Ten, probably sitting ninth, tenth, eleventh in the standings right now, and uh, they need to start reeling off some wins uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, Coach Holman, to our way of, of thinking, has at least a fourteen or fifteen million dollar buyout, which I thought seemed like a lot of money until it came out this week that their budget yep. last year was two hundred and seventy to two hundred seventy-five million dollars. They were able to put. $5 million back in reserve, and they also uh, made the conscious decision to peel off $40 million of that and put it toward debt service, which is kind of an elective, you know. I mean, that, that they had this debt hanging over their head probably from the COVID year or for building projects or whatever, and that was the largesse. So when they have that much largesse, you know, let's say $50 million in largesse uh, that, that they have discretionary spending over, they could cut him a check and send him on his way, and I don't think too many people would be uh, upset right now. Yeah, I'm with you, Steve, on, on that because, you know, here we were talking about Ryan Day and whether or not uh, he's going to be back after next year, and he only loses two games a year. This right. program, unfortunately, uh, you know, ha- has gone in the complete wrong direction, and I can't Better see. Pick it I'm up looking quick. at Better pick it yeah. up quick. Right, I'm looking at a 68-team bracket right now, and the Buckeyes aren't one of the 68 teams oh, uh, no. with Joe no. Lenardi, you know? Not even first four out or next four out. They they are they got to win three or four games in a row just to get back on the bracket at this point. Because, see, the issue is they didn't beat anybody of any note. Uh, UCLA, West Virginia, those teams they beat are no count. And, uh, you know, none of the other teams they beat are any good, so – yeah, they have really have they really don't have a quality win when you really come right down to it. So uh, maybe one quad one win. They're zero and four in quad two. So yeah, it, it isn't looking good right now. They're like one and eight between quad one and quad two. Yeah, you you ain't beat nobody. You ain't getting in the tournament. So that's it. No doubt. Yeah, well, we'll see how that plays out uh, as this season progresses with the men, the women, and, of course, anytime there's football news, Steve Hellwagon, his team at Bucknuts.com will have it for you. Steve, thanks for the time, as always. The information, fantastic. We'll talk to you again soon, all right? All right, guys. Take care. Bucknuts.com. Make it a website you check out every day, especially if you're a Buckeye fan, and follow Steve Hellwagon on Twitter at Steve Hellwagon.